One, two, three, four. Just another day at my dead end profession. I've lived day to day. Yeah, listen to some good old country records on the radio. Hell, yeah, what else can I say? Welcome back to the program, and welcome back, Dave Callens. Hey, what's up? I'm Ryan Shores. With me, as always, also is Robert Timothy. Double woohoo there. I went woo and then woohoo. <laughs> They're very distinct. Dave, welcome back. It's been weird not having you here. Thanks, but it's been weird not being here. Yeah, it's like the average age went way down while you were gone. Ah, <laughs> good it's for everybody. No, speaking of your double woo, yeah. uh, I was at a show at Madhouse the other night, and we uh-huh. had a couple of girls in one of the tables. Mm-hmm. Start of the show, like there was a host. I was up first. Yeah. Start of the show, they were good. They were like the good audience members. They laughed when they were supposed to. When people were climbing up, they were like getting the room to open up. But as the show went on, they became the woo girls. All right. Uh, they would woo several times during everybody's set. The fucking woo. Oh, my God. Oh, my it God. It just became annoying. Oh, hey, it, it, real quick. Real oh, quick. yeah. You guys, yeah. I'm, I'm getting a vigilante justice idea. You know how Paris Hilton trademarked That's Hot? What if I trademark woo, and every time they do that, <laughs> Dave, Dave just goes up and taps him on the shoulder and goes, excuse me, you can't say that here. <laughs> uh, There's uh, a bill. <laughs> you'd probably get sued by Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Dress as Ric Flair, tap them on the shoulder, and, and shake your head no. Yeah, I'm more you, of a woo-hoo. You'd probably have as much luck trademarking that as Dana White's going to have trying to trademark bad motherfucker. <laughs> Anyway, well, speaking of annoying audience members, uh, two nights ago at uh, my Burning Beard show, there's a girl who's very nice, real big fan of me, so I, I hate talking shit, but mm. she'd never been to one of my comedy shows before. She did a bun- bunch of uh, Fiends shows, and uh, just motor mouth, okay? This oh, one of these yeah. people that, that, that will corner you, and uh, you don't even know how they're taking breaths, the, 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 the amount they're talking about themselves, and it just, it's, you, you can't get an, a word in edgewise. You can't even get a word in to say, like, hey, I think I someone's Go calling. do something yeah. else. Yeah, you can't even get that. There's just, no escape. You literally have to just run away as they're talking. You know. <laughs> so I see that she's bought a ticket to this thing. She comes up to me, and one of the many things she says within the span of five seconds is that uh, the only seats left were in the front row, Ooh. and mm. she's never been to a comedy show. That was the two Ooh. things she said. So I had to go to the, the management and say, uh, "Keep eyes on that one." She cannot stop herself from talking and I have a feeling she's going to respond to every single thing every single comic has to say and guess what that's exactly what motherfucking happened <laughs> immediately <laughs> it's, the, it's the same person who when you go and you're like oh hey what's up and they actually start telling you a story and you're like no I was just a that was rhetorical <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't no, how, how you doing you know yeah I, that, that's only second to like how you doing oh not good like, oh, oh, yeah. oh please oh, please yeah. <laughs> no that was just a pleasantry <laughs> uh, I don't actually care about you um so, no but it was it was every single thing they said she had to respond oh yeah tell because when i'm at home with my kids i don't like yeah. anybody so we had <laughs> so first the um my opening comic who crushed mikey friedman uh he put her in her place had a great burn on her <laughs> everyone laughed uh, that usually shuts them up that usually shuts them up that took a little wind out of her sails but that wind came gusting right back yeah with see, that's the kind of person where like you on most people that would work on shutting him up, on some people that kind of cements in their head that they're part of the show. Mm. Right. Oh. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, so now they're the heel of the comedy yes. show. 
So she had to get put in her place twice by two different comedians. Yeah. Then management had to come over and tell her, <laughs> stop it or you have to leave. And then the bartenders cut her off, even though she wasn't really that drunk. She's, they're just, that was just their way they're of saying. sending a message. Yeah, you shouldn't have any alcohol at all, maybe. This isn't really, uh, you have too much alcohol. You're just kind of a dick and we want to punish you. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we just don't want you to have a good this, time. We're yeah. just wanting you to encourage you to leave. But like all this shit, she still stuck it out to the end of the oh show. She was like the Terminator of hecklers. Oh. <laughs> That's like the bar's version of Time Out. Like, you're out. You're done. You're not too drunk. Right, you're just you're you're being out. punished. Yeah. You're in Time Out. Yeah. Now, now I, I remember you saying that not only do you have an annoying customer, you had an annoying comic. Yes, yes, yes. This same show? Same show. Okay. Same show. I, I'm not going to name them because that's... <laughs> I, I just don't want to. But um, this is someone who was recommended to me by several different comics. And to be fair, uh, this guy was very good. He was a, he was excellent on stage. Great comic. Great Absolutely. comic. Uh, from the minute he got there, began complaining, uh, rolling his eyes, saying rude shit. Let me, let me just say this about running the shows I run. I run them in a way... That I would like to be treated as a comic after doing it for ten years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I make sure that everyone gets a meal and everyone gets paid, and you know, everyone's treated with respect and and like you know, shown accommodations. I, I do as much as I can, and also I run a shit. I'm sick of shows that nobody fucking wants. All right, I right. I, I think I bitched you guys. Oh, about you mean eighty percent of the San Diego comedy scene? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I can't believe that it took me till now to get fucking fed up with them completely. But I'm sick of fucking. Shows shows that nobody wants, including comics or audience members or fucking the venue itself. I'm sick of being called by a guy going, dude, you gotta do my room. It's fire. It's fire. It's awesome. It's, it's awesome. And getting there and realize that nobody knows there's a comedy show that's about to start so we're just gonna turn on the PA and shout at the back of people's heads yeah. who are pissed off that the jukebox is off There's the, the TV's been turned off and, and it's gonna suck and they're not happy and the comics aren't happy and the venue's not happy and they only that they'll keep doing it at different venues so they can say, I book a Room. You know what's almost worse than that is the steps leading up to that. If you're out with some friends who have any comics, if you go to a place, one of them be like, oh man, this, this is a perfect a spot for yeah. a show. Yes. It's like watching a car accident happen in slow motion. You're just like, no, please don't. Please yeah, just, yeah. Some of these people could be in a fucking wiener schnitzel and be like, this yeah. is a good place for a show. Look, there's a little clearing on the floor right here. We can set up an amp. We can. Yeah, it's perfect. We don't need a microphone. It's yeah. the greatest glasses half full mentality. Of just like everything I say. And you're like, but we're outside in a swap meet and it's 9 a.m. And they're like, yeah, but look at all the people. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you know, I wanted to run a series of shows with that it doesn't happen. Everyone there has bought a ticket. There's an audience. There's you know respect shown. So this is the first time in the two years I've been running shows that someone was just walked in clearly not happy. Mm. So first of all, dude arrived 45 minutes late. 40, 40, no, I'm sorry, 45 minutes into showtime. I asked people to get there about 20 minutes early. So this puts them about, ooh, an hour and five wow. minutes late and just rolls in and first of all wants to know where his dinner is. <laughs> because I tell, I tell all my yeah. comics, hey, show up 20 minutes early. We're going to make sure everyone gets fed from the uh, on the house and gets a, a beer in you and uh, show your accommodations. This guy rolls in 45 minutes into showtime. After the food truck is closed, he wants to know where's <laughs> yeah. my dinner. So we had to like oh, we had to get them to like open up just for wow. just for him. <laughs> and then he asks, uh, oh, so uh, another popular comic that's not my room, he's done this room? 
I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, like in disbelief. In like disbelief, really? He goes, really? How long ago? And I went, I'm like, within the last nine months. He's like, that's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, I'm asking him things that are standard. Like, hey, man, when do you want your light? He's responding rudely like, I don't care, man. I just want to get out of here. <laughs> so anyways, he went on stage. Everyone loved him. He did his job. Yeah. You know, but the worst thing he did was... When guys come down from L.A., in order to make it more worth their while, I, I I say, I can pay you this amount of money just for you, or I can pay you more money to bring your own feature with you, which I think mm-hmm. is a really cool thing to do. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you know, that way you can, you know, split gas, you know, it's more worth both of your times, you know. Plus, uh, they, ha- they can bring a friend, you know. Yeah, you someone have someone like in the car to, to talk with. to, yeah. you know, and, and, and I'm like, the only thing is, you need to bring someone solid, all right? I mean, right. obviously, you're the headliner, so not as solid as you always, but, you know, I need someone that can really bring the heat and then I'll pay you extra and then you, you pay them out of your extra money whatever you choose they're your future uh, I love it when people give me that deal I'm like oh that's fucking awesome yeah. bring a friend this guy clearly brought an open micer that mm-hmm. couldn't uh, couldn't fill five minutes much less 20 <laughs> he had 20 she, yeah. She, wow. Uh, it, but, um, and uh, she clearly couldn't feel. I knew from the from minute three that she was out of steam. And I real all of a sudden I did math and realized what happened. Like, oh, he brought an open micer so he could keep all of the extra money from that. You're deal. giving him too much credit, Ryan. He was just walking in, grabbed the nearest person near the <laughs> entrance to the club, and went, "You're the feature." And, well, and, and then and then uh, she made her carry his bags and set up his merch oh and sell his God, merch. That's that's great. So he brought a lackey that would be happy with any stage time and would carry bags to do so, and just so he could keep the money and have a fucking what did, lackey. What did she do when she ran out of material? Because in my mind, she just pulls an Andy Kaufman and starts reading the Great Gatsby she, on stage. She was basically like just yelling out catchphrases. Like she'd be like, she just she just, just what's really, really, really at one point like apropos of nothing. She was just like twenty dollar make you holla, R- right? I'm like, what is, is she just yelling out T-shirt slogans? Should have saved that for the closer. That's <laughs> bring the house down. With that at one, one point, she looked at the fan. Like we have a big uh, fan oscillating fan in there uh, to like uh, to cool off the room. At one point, she just stood in front of it, put her arms out, and went, "I'm the king of the world." So there was no material. There was just yelling different catchphrases from movies and TV. Pretty shows. much. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and and, and like, I went up to him. I'm like, "Will you?" I'm like, "I'm sorry, man. Will you be insulted uh, to the uh, if I if I uh, get rid of this lady early?" And th- by the way, she's supposed to be tw- do twenty at ten. I was ready to light her. Wow. So uh, he's like, and it, uh, once again, I got. I don't really care, man. I'm like, uh, like he was probably excited that because that means he can get out of yes. there earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah he but he, he was, at this point was not making eye contact with me. He was rolling his eyes. I'm like, whatever. I don't even give a shit if you're mad at me so I lit her at 12 uh, it's a good thing I did which is you ran that light by 8 minutes wow. she ran that light with no material that's almost impressive actually yeah that's, well at one point she was yelled, like a filibuster <laughs> at one point she yelled woohoo and Ryan tapped her on the shoulder like I'm sorry you can't. <laughs> oh and by the way during her set the fucking heckler was stone quiet wow <laughs> stone <great>. quiet <laughs> game respects game yeah now, now here's the thing uh, comics have bad days. We all do. Like, sure. Yeah. You could be like, oh, maybe the dude's dog died or something yeah. shitty happened. But in that situation, you would expect an apology from that person within <laughs> the next couple of days. Like, hey, man, sorry I was so shitty last night. Something like that. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? At the end, of the, he, he walked out. He was like, anyway, so thanks for the gig. Uh, 
Sorry, uh, uh, he did. He did. He gave me a half-ass oh, apology. He goes, "I have to drive ten hours to Nevada." I'm like, me and the manager, are like, are you stopping in Arizona first? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Are you starting in Hawaii? What do you mean you got ten hours? To- what what brand of moped do you drive? <laughs> <laughs> He's in like a little go kart. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Um, oh my god. Yeah. Well, that's just the worst when a comic is really good. But they're such a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I won't name them because I don't want to get a shit slinging, con- uh, you know, contest online. But yeah. you know, I, I just it's it, it was disappointing because literally four different guys that have headlined my uh, my spots have, have mentioned his name. Mm. So I was really excited to meet him. Yeah. I was really excited to to have him there, and it just it, it, it don't meet your almost heroes. Uh, yeah. So. yeah. And actually, during the show, like, before I knew about all this backstage shit going on, our buddy John Groove's like, hey, this guy's really good. So I'm thinking, like, oh, great, it's a fun show, it's an amazing time. Yeah. And then I hear afterwards all this shit the audience, behind the well, scenes. I mean, the audience was happy, and really that's what I care. Well, I mean, they, they weren't during his fucking feature set, so yeah, yeah it did affect that. But <laughs> anyway, speaking of fuck that guy, Saturday Night Live announced some new cast members. Yep. And then, like, a day later... One of these trolls that like goes through anyone who makes it in the industry's like entire social media history, uh, scoured all of their social media from from ten, going ten years back and found something. He found something. Found uh, some not choice words from uh, Shane Gillis, the, one of the guys they cast, white guy. Um, they got him from a podcast too, which is absolutely how they're getting you, Ryan. Like you, <laughs> yeah. you are so shit out of luck. If it ever, if you ever, oh, no. The best part about this is they're going to get him from something you play on the drop out of context. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's how it's going to happen. Yeah, like you are so shit out of luck. If you got just halfway to Saturday Night Live before the second you the announcement came out, Ryan Shores, local San Diego comedian, there would be fifteen hundred people <laughs> spamming them clips from our show. Yeah, no, that's why I was so okay. First of all, just to just to complete the story. A day after that or so, um, he gave a half-assed apology. Yeah, it was kind of a not apology, really. Uh, and then the day after that, SNL uh, announced that uh, he'd be he'd be fired. No, See, now, I didn't even know that they hired him until I heard he was fired. <laughs> I was like, oh, they fired someone. Okay, whatever. <laughs> One thing about that, which is always frustrating to me, it's it's like the cop thing with the ticket. I feel like you should either get the lecture or the ticket. Like yeah. you either have to do the embarrassing <laughs> apology or you get fired, but you shouldn't have to do both. Right, right, right. So uh, anyway, before we get into whether it was right or wrong, what happened to him based on what he said, all I just want to just ignore all that for a second. Can you imagine? Like, can you imagine getting the? Because this guy wasn't like a guy that was on a series of TV shows and then he got the call to SNL. He was. I looked into him. He's at my level. Like fucking, oh really? A lot of bar shows, a lot of you know DIY tours, podcast, podcast. <laughs> like the, the the guy was not like a fledging celebrity. He got an amazing opportunity. He was going from me to stardom. Yeah, <laughs> and then that that was taken and then away way from lower, way lower <laughs> than stardom. Well, and, and there's people like, well, he'll probably be a bigger star because of this. No, he's gonna be a trivia question in a yes. year. So, anyways, he um, uh, what he said was on, on his podcast. Was uh, they were talking about Chinatown? I was like, Chinatown fucking sucks. There's a bunch of. I think he, he may have said there's a bunch of chinks there. Oop, not getting on SNL after that. <laughs> uh, but then he, he he was like, yeah, the chinks can have that place. And then he referred to like some. That's uncouth. He he referred to like people like Judd Apatow as white faggot comedians. Uh, okay. Uh, anyway, so so Judd was, Apatow not really gay. I don't. know. <laughs> 
Also it's not be, a because great they comedian. stand. It's, it's because they're, they're liberals or something. I, uh, okay. I, I don't know. But anyways, uh, they took it away from. Him. They took it away. His big opportunity. The thing is, I've had dreams that I got on SNL, yes. and then I wake up and realize I have to go to my shitty job, and I, I even then I want to kill myself. <laughs> I can't imagine it actually happening yeah. in real life, where it's like the rug is just so taken out from under you, regardless of if he deserved it or not. I'm like thinking of that mentality, like because SNL. That is better than any role in one single movie. Like, yes, absolutely. Like, SNL is a launch pad like, for Tina Fey, host of the fucking Tonight Show, Adam Sandler. Like, all, it's superstardom, almost 50% guaranteed, you know? If you never get on the air, you're a Jay Moore, you know, worst case scenario. Yeah. Even if you don't get any fame from it, they fucking pay really well. Yeah. Holy shit. Can you imagine this roller coaster, though? Because, like, regular life, so let's say baseline zero, the best news you've ever gotten in your life, you shoot up to 100. Within a day... It doesn't go back to zero. You're at negative 75 because now everybody in America fucking hates you. So like that roller coaster is like, oh, my God, I just won the Powerball multi-million dollar lottery. And on your way to cash in the ticket, you get hit by a drunk driver, paralyzed, and the ticket burns in the fire. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the thing is like a lot of people like comics, people in that position are like really aware of like, oh, I got to scrub my history. I got to go back and check. You don't fucking remember. No. Oh, did I say chinks eight years ago? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and you know, a lot of people are like, are, are, are defending the decision. They're like, you know, the cancel coach is good because it gets all the trash out of, you know, the entertainment industry. And I understand that to a point. Here's no, cancel culture is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, I agree with Dave. I think there are times when people should have that happen. Like, if you're Weinstein, cancel that motherfucker, right? Right, 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 right. Well, but like, the reason I kind of said, like, I don't know how I, if I agree with. With uh, with that is for the same reason that assholes say women lie about rape all the time yeah. because they know there's something in their history they don't want coming to the surface. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, ex- I got so much. That is exactly why I'm like, cancel culture sucks. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm like thinking back like to 2018. I'm like, oh no, I yeah. I thought I could get away with the n word there yeah. <laughs> during a bit. And I super couldn't, but there was only three people in that bar, so hopefully no one finds that out. And then I find out someone had a GoPro going. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Like if you look into my history, you won't even have to look back to my open mic days. And if you look back to my open mic days, oh boy, am I never getting a walk on rolling anything? (laughs) I've like purposely not attacked this story or read anything about it because I don't know what his background is. Like I feel like to make an educated guess on that or statement, I'd have to listen to those podcasts because. Like we do, you know, as a top drop at the end of the show, we always put just a little clip that's supposed to make the person look bad or funny or stupid or something, right? Yeah. And so, like, anything... Wait a second. You're trying to make us look stupid? <laughs> you piece of shit. Anything taken out of context can look bad, but he also could just be a bad dude. So, like, I'm, I wouldn't come to his defense or, or say, like, sh- shut him down or whatever without actually listening to it and figuring it out. My curious thing is... Has anybody who is actually like prosecuting the guy looked back and said, oh no, th- I've listened to four and a half hours of this guy and he's a real piece of shit? Or is it just, I listened to this 10 and a half second clip? Because 10 and a half second clip, I will give you anybody in the world who speaks enough on a mic as somebody who speaks f- four hours on a mic every week. Anybody on a mic with enough time will say something you can take out of context and make sure, them look sure. bad. Sure, sure. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of jo- jokes that out there uh, uh, that I've done in the past that I wouldn't do n- today. Yes. To quote a, a very good friend of mine who wrote an article about this incident, it's not just because times have changed, it's because I have, you know? And sure. so there is stuff out there, but... 
To the other side of it, though, what, what people are saying, because a lot of comics are like, you can't persecute somebody for, for telling a joke. Yes, you can. Sure. Um, but uh, the, the argument they're making is, yeah, but he wasn't joking. Like, if you listen to that, to when he said these comments okay. on his podcast, neither of them are laughing. It's not part of a bit. He's just saying, chinks. Fucking fuck I'd, chinks and fuck where they live. I'd have to listen to it to figure out, like, what the deal is. But I would also, like, want to hear what this guy's body of work is. Because, quite frankly... If you want to know who Ryan is, listen to 15 episodes of The Degenerates. You get a pretty good idea. Like you'll <laughs> you'll understand. You'll be like, hey, he's kind of gruff. He's he got hates this. Salt- <laughs> <laughs> he slaps trolls. Yeah. <laughs> like you get a pretty good idea, and you'd be like, I don't know uh, whether I like this guy or not. I know who he is. I know what his personality is. I wonder if you listen to 15 hours of this dude's podcast, because apparently that's out there, what you would get out of it. If you'd be like, this guy's a racist piece of shit, or he's just untalented, or if you'd be like, oh, no, that was just taken out of context. Yeah, I, that, that, is, that is a good point. Uh, you know what, what's even funnier? Who are these guys that go back so oh far through God, people's right? histories? Like, like, it's like, whenever I see some guy like um, Trevor Noah, that when he took over The Daily Show, someone's like, we found this tweet from 2014. I'm like... That guy tweets three times a day. Yeah. <laughs> you, how long did that take you? Yeah. Is that your job? Did you just get a big silo of Mountain Dew Code Red and attached to a hose and just b- hunker down and fucking go through goddamn three years of tweets? You know, I think you just put your, your finger on it, like the difference between when you should cancel somebody and when you shouldn't. If something comes up that's objectively offensive to everybody around you and is just it, it's not done in comedy or in jest or something like that and it and it's if offensive, okay, now you have something to look at. If you have to search in depth 3 years into tweets to find something that some people might find offensive, then you're the fucking problem, right? Yeah. Like if somebody's putting out offensive material, if you're fucking a white supremacist from Montana who's like putting out a bunch of shit, then yes, certainly we should all have a conversation about it because you're putting it out there and that is your brand. If that happens to be like a side note that somebody found from a 2012 tweet, then the person who found it is the asshole. They're the ones. You need to be canceled. 100%. You need to be canceled for canceling your Twitter. And you know those guys are fucking proud of themselves, too. Oh, for sure. They're probably fucking telling other trolls, like, you know, uh, I'm the guy, you know that new newscaster that took over the weather report on uh, KUSI? Yeah, I'm the one that found out he, he, he said bitches back in 2015. <laughs> and uh, you know you know how the feminist groups jump on him? That's me. That's yeah. me. I, I posted it in the feminist groups. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> but to, to Bobby's point earlier, I disagree with you in that now he's worse off than before. He's definitely going to get a little boost from this. Ma- Obviously, maybe. it's not going to be SNL, but now everyone knows who he is. And there's plenty of clubs around town who would love to cash in on that notoriety pay him some money to do some shows, shit like that. He's going to get a bump. Sure, but you're talking about the future. I'm talking about this 36-hour period of time where he went from nothing... Saturday Night Live, hated person in America. Yeah. That roller coaster went subterranean <laughs> I, at one point. I think he will get a, a, a little bit of a boost for about a year. And I, like I said, after that, no one's going to remember this story about how he got kicked off. Well, that's about. where it's on him. If he's really good, he can use that boost and become like a known popular you, comic. You want to know how he really flips it and makes this into a career? He so, starts touring China. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, guys, we got some listener questions this week, by the way. Ooh. Now, this first one comes from Sarah from Virginia Beach. She says, Degenerate, sorry if you've already been asked this question, and I don't think we have. But She what should are, still be sorry, though. <laughs> what are the worst jobs you guys have had and why? Oh, Jesus. Love the show. Okay. Thanks for everything. Dave, you've had an eclectic uh, oh my God, mix I've of so work history. Jobs. 
I've worked in a fishery in Alaska 12 hours a day, seven days a week. I've done roofing, construction, all kinds of bullshit. What do you think uh, the worst thing was? Everything service industry. The one that I think was the worst, I mean, it's not what you would think of as like, oh, that's a terrible job. It was just, it was so demoralizing and embarrassing. When I first moved to California, I was looking for work and I applied to a Craigslist and replied to a Craigslist. Escape room employee. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be fun compared to this. I replied to a Craigslist ad and so I went to this meeting and it was one of those things, I don't even know if they still do this anymore. We're in a warehouse, is these three assholes trying to set up a bunch of strangers like us to go sell shitty yes. lobby art to offices in the yeah. area. Lobby we, art? Yeah, we load up our trunks with like shitty pictures, like not even the inspiration. So one, you're walking like, into an office with a big page and yes, you have a fucking leg. Yes. You want this? Yes. <laughs> Yes, and they would give us like motivational speeches before. They'd be like, "Oh, yeah. they had like little songs they would do." Songs. And I'm looking around the room like, "Am I the only one that yes. sees this is fucking insane?" Yeah, I, I quit after three hours. Yeah, like that's how fucking did you keep a painting? This was. Like, this I did. Is my- I stole the painting. <laughs> but it was fucking terrible. They would assign you territories. Like, yes. oh, this is your territory. And I heard them talking to each other afterwards. Like, oh, he's doing shitty with this territory. Let's give that to somebody else. And, and the he, guy was like telling us, you go into some office, and he was talking about how they, they all have no soliciting signs. Yeah. And you just walk me like, oh, yeah, no soliciting. I hate those guys. Hey, you want to buy this painting? And uh, it was fucking demoralizing as shit. I love how every company that that, that uh, employs solicitors always gives you a way to, to go around the no soliciting sign. Yeah. Uh, in, in outside sales, uh, sir, I'm not a solicitor. I'm a business analyst. <laughs> and I'm here to analyze what you need to buy from me. <laughs> I, I got roped in by one of those when I was like 16. and then Dude, I, three hours I quit. Three oh, hours. Oh, yeah. I, I did the thing where they're like, okay, here's your territory. You're going with Bill. And I was like, they're like, can he go in your car? And I was like, no, nah, my car is full. And they're like, all right, cool. And then as we pulled out of the parking lot, I was just like, see you, Bill. And I went, oh. yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not going to door one with this bullshit. I there, theirs was similar, except theirs was, we go in with these list of rules that like have to be posted in employee workstations and stuff. Rule that, one, no soliciting. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it was like uh, it was like uh, these are your rights as an employee oh, and all this stuff, and they have to legally be posted. And they look like they're government mandated. And you walk in and you act like you're like you work for the government and you're looking for these signs. Oh and yeah, you that's don't much see them. Than what And then I was you doing. show him and be like, you need one of these for fifty bucks, which is like a laminated side <laughs> thing. And I was like, the sa- I was in the same exact same boat where I was like looking around the office and I'm like. I feel like I'm in the Truman Show, and yeah. I'm the only one who's figured it out. And and those guys will always have a story about a guy who's now a multimillionaire. Yes. Oh yeah, yes. starting here. Yeah. Yes. The thing with the paintings was we had to pay 15 bucks per painting, uh-huh. and we would sell them for 20. But if we thought we could sell them for more, we were welcome to, and that was just more ah. money for us. Oh boy! So it was a bringer show of paintings. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a pay-to-play, only it's your day job. God, it was terrible. Um, oh, that's great. You know what's funny is you know those guys that sell steaks door to door. They have yeah. like, oh my god, and, and they always have a little uh, thing like, hey, you know, my truck broke down, uh, and so I got to get rid of all these steaks for the AC <laughs> unit goes. Out. Those guys get screamed at all the time. There is a guy. That had that job. And he would show up eating the steak. He'd have a plate in his hand. <laughs> he knocked at a door one faithful afternoon and found a very drunk Ryan Shores <laughs> who had just gotten off of work and was too lazy to go to the grocery store for dinner yeah. and said, come on in, buddy. <laughs> like His face looked up. When I opened that door, and that's exa- absolutely true, I was single at the time, and so I had no wife to stop me from these decisions. Yeah. So I literally had a tough day at work. Give me the cow. 
<laughs> I got home. I fucking I, I, I uh, unloaded a few shots of fucking uh, Jack in me and then uh, started drinking beers. I was like, I'm fucking hungry. Uh, I want to go to the goddamn grocery store. Then there was a knock at my door. And some guy who was ready for me to yell at him. It looks like he'd been yelled at all day. Oh, yeah. His head, he was already shaking his head like in an apologetically like, I'm selling steaks door to door. I'm like, get in here. He's like, he's like, really? I'm like, show me the T-bones. And I, I still think of that day. I'm sure he does too. He's that guy. Now the company's like, there's a guy who he's made a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. After after you made that sale to Ryan, he called his buddy, who's the door to door A one sauce salesman. Like, <laughs> Hey, get over to this house. I sold him some shitty steaks. I had him in, and I said, if you got a guy that's selling Coors Light, send him over. <laughs> that was me in like when I was like 12 or 13 with Mormons during summertime. Like They would knock on the door, and I'd be the only one home, and I'd open it up, and I'm like bored and don't have anyone to talk to. And I'm like, oh, come on in. And they're like, really? Sir, I, can you yeah, put on pants? We'd be yeah. happy to. Yeah, it's always, it's always great when you get the people who have had 100 doors shut in their face. They're like, come on in. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's go. Yeah. Dude, I burned my roommate with that one time. I was leaving for work at like 10 a.m. He was sitting on the couch watching TV. As I'm leaving, they're coming to the door. I was like, oh yeah, come on in. Talk to my buddy Daniel. And I left. It was great. Little did you know, now a Mormon millionaire. <laughs> yeah, being a Mormon was the worst job I ever had. Bobby, what was the worst job you had? I had a few. So Archaeologist. To, yeah. He fucking well, hates it. When I'm thinking of like worst, right, you got to categorize what's bad about certain jobs. So like when I was like 16, I did like gardener type work where you're just basically out there with your hands ripping out rose bushes right. for $20 a day and that sucks balls when I was in college I was a day laborer outside Home Depot so I was the guy you come and pick up to like do tile work or, or do whatever in Oakland by the way which uh I have some very interesting at times from that. I would uh, like to think that, like, when you pick up a day labor, they just do what you tell them. I'd yeah. like to think Bobby's critiquing the guy's <laughs> projects. He's like, really? You're going to put a retaining wall here? That's not going to work. You're, You're not English. that wrong. I, <laughs> well, I'd be like, they'd be like, well, I'm running this line here, so go ahead and run the coaxial. And I was like, all right. You know you're running that parallel to 120, right? Like you're gonna have some distortion across the line a little bit. Maybe you want to go perpendicular, cross it on the beams. Uh, you know, uh, Javier, when you when you approach the truck, you said "Como estas." Uh, there's more people in here, so it's "Como están," I believe. Also, maybe use the formal, just because we haven't met yet. Yeah. <laughs> so day laborer was definitely probably like up there. But like hardest, I had a gig in archaeology where I was on for like 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week for about a year. And and every uh, about six months into that, that went down to six days a week. He was just learning how to use the whip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I barely was even able to shoot Nazis. I was so busy. <laughs> but I, uh, I just had – and it was out in the desert, and it was mm, – 120 during the summer and you were just outside running around all day he needs a mummy salesman to come <laughs> up <laughs> and it was super it was one of those ones where because of my position it was one of those things where you get promoted to the where you think it's a great thing and you get there and you're like oh this is way more than I thought it would be and like the position was oh you have to be on site anytime they're working well, they have like a, a tax incentive that's $500 million they have to get done. So they're going to work seven days a week and they're going to work eh, sometimes 16, 17 hour days. You got to be there the whole time. And most of that time is running around outside, like following heavy equipment and stuff. And I remember thinking at one point where I was just like, this used to be how people worked. Like there didn't used to be a weekend, right? Like that came around rather recently. It used yeah. to be that you were just outside fucking working 16. And that's the other thing. Nobody worked inside. Like you were just outside Until working. you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> until you're dead. And I remember thinking like, pretty glad I live in uh, modern times. I don't, want, I don't necessarily want that. So I think that was like one of the most difficult, 
But in terms of like funny, embarrassing, I was a self-defense instructor right, right out of college because I had you know, like the boxing background and the judo and the taekwondo and everything. And I, I go into a, a, a martial arts school that's doing self-defense instruction. I try out. They, they challenge hire me. their master. Yeah. Hiya! <laughs> Force <laughs> ball! By the way, there's a lot more of that shit than you might realize. Uh, but anyway, I, I go and I start training there and I start working for them and I start doing self-defense instruction. At the time, I just got out of college, which meant I was in my fighting weight shape and I fought at 175 and I'm literally walking around like 176 pounds they have us training guys from the Richmond SWAT team you're talking like yoked mm. 4% body fat 250 pound dudes and the whole point was you had to fight them and win and you're wearing one of those big fluffy suits why, are, why do the SWAT team need self-defense do they have guns <laughs> <laughs> no they have to train close quarters so like and they would bring their little yeah, dummy yeah shoot them in close quarters it's fine they'd bring their dummy guns in and you have to wrestle with them and stuff but it that was sounds fun as shit well the other shitty thing is I was one of the bigger dudes who was doing this a lot of the, the martial arts guys were smaller and so they would always have me go against the bigger guy and it was like okay you have to go in there with the big helmet and the padding and you have to fight this guy and take him down i'm like he looks like he looks like fucking check congo he's 250 pounds and he has abs what do you want me to do up to 175 pounds like just win it was always just win just and win. i, I to, this, the leg. to this day i remember like the worst one was this big giant dude from the richmond swat team and the whole point was okay you have to you're gonna surprise attack him when we're doing like the, the instructor would go up and he'd be talking and the whole point was to learn to do this in surprise and you'd come up and like take him down from behind and i came up Tried to take this guy down from behind with like an Uchimata, and the second I tried it, he immediately just grabs my leg with one hand, picks it up, drops me on the ground, and starts kicking me in the head. Literally kicking, and I have a helmet on, but he's literally kicking me in the head. This he's giant, holding you upside down like a baby? No, he just did like an ankle pad. Oh, okay. And, and then like just starts kicking me in the head, and I remember like, I'm like, these kicks really hurt through this helmet. Like, this is not, this is, this is getting stomped At the end, on. he just put Bobby over his knee like, bad baby, bad baby. Literally on kick number six of, of every one of those kicks without the helmet would have shattered my skull on concrete, right? On kick number six, I roll him into a knee bar. And then you're supposed to explain to the guy with a straight face what he did wrong in the fight, right? And so, so you didn't kill me. Yeah, I had <laughs> I had this experience where the instructor's like, "Go you take." You didn't it. remove my helmet. Yeah. <laughs> in the head. I had this, this this moment where I had to get my ass kicked, not kind of beaten, kicked in front of like 18 SWAT team members, and then I had to. Yeah, okay, I won I won in a way that I could not have won any real street fight. And then I had to go up in front of them and explain what they did wrong. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, like, this is humiliating. Like, it's humiliating to look at a giant man who just beat the shit out of you and explain to them why you beat them up. Speaking of the, the whole helmet thing, all my cousins in uh, Philadelphia are hockey bros. They're hockey jocks, you yeah. know? The, the, whole, the whole bunch of them. Uh, they're brothers. And... Um, the best one of all of them, George, he, uh, he's like, not allowed to play hockey in the state of Pennsylvania ever again. Ah. And Can't I, take off his skate train steps. You're not far <laughs> off. Uh, so it, what, what I finally, when we got older, I, I asked him, like, George, why are you not allowed to play hockey in, in Pennsylvania? He's like, you know how when you hockey fight, you throw down your gloves, you throw down your stick, you throw down your helmet? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I hold on to my stick. <laughs> so anyways, uh, <laughs> um, anyways, uh, worst job I ever had. I, and I thought about this long and hard when I got this email. Um, was hosting this podcast with two idiots. <laughs> uh, I was gonna, I was going to briefly go with outside cold call sales oh, for oh, the yeah. same reasons that, uh, that Dave yep. uh, we, uh, the mentioned. But I don't think that's it. Uh, for a summer uh, in my early twenties, I worked in financial retrieval. Oh, so you were a repo guy? 
No, I work for a loan shark. <laughs> so That's kind of a repo guy. We, we, uh, we, there's, a, there's, a, there's a slang term for my job. It's called thumb breakers. So basically, I worked for a quasi-criminal who I'm not going to name because I'm not fucking suicidal. <laughs> but then he came and fucked up a headlining spot of him <laughs> in his show. But uh, yeah, me and, uh, and, and by the way, I was the smallest guy on the crew um, at 6'1". And back then, I was only 178 pounds mm-hmm. because uh, I, I was fighting, fighting at 155. Yeah. Um, but I was the only one that knew submission holds. So, and by the way, it's funny because uh, I remember. Now, do they owe this money from gambling yeah, or drugs? Oh yeah, both. It's 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 people who cannot go a traditional route. So are they they are borrowing money from a violent gangster? Can I who, ask this question? I've always been so curious sure. about this. If somebody is, let's say, they gambled, right? Now yeah. they owe money. It was something. usually gambling, not drugs. So. You are not really like the, like it's like a misdemeanor if you get caught gambling, but getting caught intimidating somebody is a, like a really serious felony. What stops these people from just going to the cops? Because they technically have the upper hand. They could just be like, "Hey, police, this guy's threatening me," and they're like, "What'd you do?" Well, to be honest, I gambled, sir. I'll pay the the fifty dollar fine or the ticket or whatever. But like these guys are threatening me. Like, isn't that why don't people do that? Well, oh, damn it, Bobby, you're such a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, this is not the kind of guy you would want to get caught calling the cops on. Can I put it that way? Okay. So, like, that—that's that's number one. But shouldn't some shitbag who gets rolled up on a drug charge at some point be like, oh, and by the way, this guy is running a gambling ring? Also, that's a good question. Um, so, that, number one, it's not uh, my guess. Is I wouldn't want to call the cops on this guy. Okay. Because uh, things could get worse for you. Because um, a network of lackeys that he can still control if he does go to jail, yeah, which is yeah. not so that's, likely so to. So that's number one. Number two. Uh, the cops don't give a fuck about a degenerate gambler, okay? So really? if some, if some, really, because but we, they they give a shit about like busting criminal, like high end criminals, right? Like they would want to get the if they could get this guy in bracelets, they would really want. Is he a high end criminal? You're, no, he's not a high end criminal either. He's a, he's a mid level uh. guy. He's he's a lo- he's a loan shark and a gambler himself. And you know what? When some scared little bitch calls the cops, like uh, I borrowed money from a loan shark and yeah. and he sent goons over to her that hurt me, they'd be like. All right. Well, where's he? Where's his headquarters? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. all right. Well, also, like, I, I don't have time to go fucking help you out with your gambling debt. All right. Also, the guy could just be. I never loaned him money. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. There's deniability. I've never seen this guy before. And then, and then things get worse for you. Anyway, uh, strangely enough, very few times do we actually have to resort to any violence. Just us showing up sure. was usually enough. And. We, we just help uh, invite ourselves into their house and start taking shit. Like, I, 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 <laughs> and that's another thing what he liked because I know the value of guitars. He's like, yeah, if there's any instruments that uh, equal $1,500. By the way, this is not a large amount of money we were collecting for. This nah. is like a matter of $1,500. <laughs> but the worst thing about this was grown men being pathetic because <laughs> at least one out of three guys when we showed up would start crying. And I don't mean that they were scared. It, I didn't get the sense that they were crying because they were scared. I would get the sense that like that, that they were just were so pathetic that like this is what it's come to. There's yeah. fucking there's mean men at my house that are going to hurt me That's if I don't. That's actually crying. Them. I would expect more than scared crying. Really, I would expect yeah, that. And, and when you watch a pathetic guy, like like. Uh, that's another thing. These guys are so at the end of their fucking ropes. I mean, they're they're borrowing money from from someone like this at like. A hundred and fifty percent interest, by the way. Yeah, like you'd borrow five hundred dollars, you owe him fifteen hundred. Like it was, it was like that. And so, anyways, like he worked what we had to get uh, get paid to go get it into the initial like sure. payment. Like, yeah, you're, you're gonna give me fifteen hundred back it's because like when you have to pay the other guy's lawyer fees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I would like, exactly. You gotta pay my goon fee. Yeah. <laughs> 
they they were just so pathetic. Like they're they, like just seeing the way they lived. They've probably like have all their credit cards maxed out. They probably have a bunch of loans in default. So now they're doing it this way because they think that getting this money from this fucking guy, they can gamble it and parlay it, and that's always the plan. Oh yeah. And now they're crying, and I'm. Have you ever had to threaten a guy who's crying? No, I have not. <laughs> it's not fun. Uh, and, and like, and like, Stop crying. That's your threat. <laughs> and you know what? So anyways, I, I'll, but I, so I, I tenured my resignation after three months of that. The funniest story out of this, though, is I actually let that I did that slip to a comic. Like he, uh, He'd done a joke on stage where he did a joke about, like, yeah, my bookie's on his way to, uh, to break my legs. And afterwards, like, yeah, I'm like, we don't break legs. We break thumbs. We break legs. Then the cops will get involved. Yeah, that's another thing. We didn't. We never hurt them enough to where the like, they had to go to the hospital and the doctors would be like, "You need to tell me who did this to you." Yeah, so we can tell that's the a cops. good point. So, and by the way, you break someone's legs, they can't keep working. Yeah. So you have to you, you break a thumb. That really hurts. But then, like, <laughs> all right, go back to your fucking job at the dirt factory. Let's let's make that dough, Henry. The uh, the best sense of justice that I ever saw was. From somebody who I assume was this, I used to live in the East Village, and now it's cleaned up, but it used to be that the East Village in San Diego was a, a pit, ghetto yeah. fucking neighborhood, like really ghetto. And I worked at a MMA gym that was down there in the worst part of the ghetto, like 16th and Island, and I taught a kids program down there. The guy who co-taught it with me, he looked like he was like a 5'8", five, 5'9", five, kind of pudgy 45-year-old Mexican guy. He was also an ex-professional boxer, Golden Gloves champ, fucking amazing striker. I would spar with him a few times just for fun, and he was just, he's one of those guys who is, I don't know. Five, when goons show up at his house, he just starts crying. That's ridiculous. <laughs> he's like five inches shorter than I am and would bomb on me all day and like was just an amazing, amazing fighter, but looked very nondescript and just very whatever, and it was the worst part of the ghetto. We, he was pulling in one day, and this just blinged out Buick, huge rims, nice shiny, good paint and everything, tried to steal his spot as he was going in. Like, he he goes, he goes to back up to Parallel Park, and they tried to come in front-wise. Right, right. They went in front-wise and then couldn't level out, so when they backed up, he just backed right in like he normally would. And they get out, and it's a car full of three pretty big dudes who are clearly in some kind of drug game based on their car and whatnot yeah. like that. And they Profiling, start, profiling! Yeah. Yeah, they they could have been bankers! They yeah. could be rival archaeologists. <laughs> <laughs> so they start screaming at the guy, and the guy was just, again, totally calm the way a, a fighter usually is, and he's like, I don't, what do you want to do about it? And he's like, how about we beat the fuck out of you? And he's like, all right. And as, <laughs> as he's doing this, the kids for the program are filter walking through the front door, and they're like, Coach Jose, is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. And they just keep walking in, and they come up, and they go, into the, they go inside, and they're like, hey, something's going on with Coach Jose. There's some guys out there yelling at him. Fucking... A dozen MMA fighters, at least uh, two of them were professional MMA fighters, roll up behind Coach Jose, just in bits, too. It's not like everybody rolls out like a thing. It's just like all of a sudden there's one dude who's 260 pounds standing behind him, and then there's three dudes, and then there's a whole bunch. And I remember I was the last guy because I, I had to keep watching the kids, and I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Why don't you guys stay here? I will go, I'm going to go out and check. And by the time I left, it was like a cartoon with the cloud of smoke from their tires <laughs> screeching as they were taking off. But could you imagine? They were big dudes. They were like well over 6'2", each one of them. Three dudes, 6'2", come out. They see this 5'8", little Mexican, 40-year-old Mexican guy, and they're like, oh, we got this. And then just the worst fucking mistake they've ever made. <laughs> All right, so Ryan goes with Thumbbreaker. 
I go with getting kicked. Financial in. retrieval. <laughs> I think I go with getting kicked in the head. Though I really did love that job, but getting kicked in the head by the giant dude who you then had to explain why you quote unquote beat his ass. That was pretty bad for me. That and day laborer, Dave. Uh, you went with selling art. Door to door, unsolicited. I like how both course. Ryan and mine's involve violence. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's like, I had bad art. <laughs> I had to carry around a painting. It wasn't even good. Oh, see, I like the violent jobs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last question of the day. All right, so this one wasn't asked to me directly. Um, he overheard someone ask someone else. <laughs> this is, I guess, this is a person that has uh, is like has a lot of mutual friends with me because she posted this on her social media page, and like four different people tagged me in the comments to answer it. So okay. I decided just to go ahead and go for it. Um, so she goes, "Opinion time. Here's your chance to tell me what to do." I tried stand up last year, and it went. Not awesome. First of all, kudos on the self-awareness lady. <laughs> Already doing better than most people. Yes. Yeah. I got some laughs, some silence, and some crippling stage fright. I don't want to. That's tr- totally normal for your first Absolutely time. Absolutely, it was. I don't want to try once and quit because I think it sets a bad precedent for the future. I want to keep at it until I can at least bomb without a panic attack. Okay, I'm going to disagree right up front. It sets a great precedent. Other people see her try once and quit. Other people will try once and quit. <laughs> yeah, we- you can inspire people who've been going for a long time to quit. Yes, Maybe exactly. you can get people to quit who've been at it for 10 we years. We need more people to try once and quit. Most comics should quit. So. <laughs> no, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> I mean, I was a college adjunct professor for nine years. I mm. should be more than prepared to have a room full of hungover and drunks 20-somethings not laugh at my jokes. Nope. No, not nope. the same thing. Uh, but when I, but whenever I talk with I, John, I guess that's her husband, he thinks I should just focus on my comedy writing. Why, why writing if not stay? Okay, whatever. And frankly, I just might be very funny only in person. Should, do, uh, do I try again and risk bombing or stay home? I say you try again because I think she's got the right mentality. And I think her husband is right. I think what he's saying is you need to sit and focus on writing your bits and then you will feel more confident on stage. For me, I say it depends on what you want to do with it. Now, far be it for me to ever in earnest uh, encourage someone to quit th- this. But if all you want to do is be a hobby comic, it's really tough to do because stage time is so sought after by mm. people that want to make this their career, and those same people are really, they're, they're fucking assholes. They're assholes, they're competitive, they're Crabs catty. in a bucket, dude. This scene crabs is crabs in, in a bucket. bucket. And they don't, and any scene, not just San Diego, they don't want to see a hobby comic just do this for fun. You will be pushed out by people that are threatened by the mere thought that you would have the audacity to attempt something they also want to do. Yes, but go out and have fun. You have the right mentality. The fact that you understand you didn't get laughs puts you ahead of like 80% of new people starting in this game. That's like a huge skill set. The fact that you sat back and quietly reflected on A, the fact that you thought you'd do good and you didn't do as good and you were able to tell all that stuff, all that is great. Side note, the, the professor thing. So I host Nerd Night we have three scientists come up. They all give presentations. We do this once a month. So I've seen a lot of people in academia give these type of presentations. Let me just say, professors are unanimously the worst. Everybody says like, oh, I want to see the professor. They're the expert at this thing. They're almost always the worst. And the reason is 
they have been negatively conditioned to stand up in front of a whole bunch of people and have everybody in rapt attention, right? These kids have to pay attention to them when they're in class. Literally, their grade is dependent on it. So the professors get a false sense of how good they are at public speaking because it's a false audience. And the second they get in front of a real audience, it happens at Nerd Night all the time, they're like literally looking around like, why aren't they laughing? Like, why aren't people paying attention? What's going on? Similar to a bringer comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bringer shows. Meanwhile, somebody gets, up, somebody gets up who's used to doing, like we have people who do like science presentations for kids or we have somebody who's an entrepreneur who's just invented this new device. Those guys slay it because they're used to talking to investors. They're used to talking to rowdy kids. They're used to talking to people who don't have to listen to them. So right off the bat, just know this, the whole being a college professor thing automatically puts you at a disadvantage because yeah. you have a very skewed perspective of how entertaining and good you are at public speaking. So start with that. Go after it. Understand that nobody has to listen to you in this venue. You have to get their attention. You have to be good. You can't just stand up there because otherwise you're used to literally everybody has to listen to me because I'm the one standing up here. Yeah. You know, also, if you want to do this not as a career, but if it's something you want to experience one time the way you see people experience it on TV, basically you can set up your own bringer. And I, I suggest that if this is something you just want to do for fun, go to a fucking open mic. Tell the host that you will bring 15 friends if yeah. they give you a preferred spot and longer time. Believe me, they he'll will. agree. Oh, yeah. He will readily agree. Yes, yep. you can do 15 minutes you know, midway through the show mm -hmm. if you bring that amount of people. Be prepared to bring that amount of people. And those people that you bring, it's called a loaded audience. They will, they're your friends. They will quiet down. They will be more generous with their laughs. And you can have this little comedy fantasy camp yes. thing that you They'll also laugh when six minutes in you run out of material and stand in front of the fans <laughs> saying, I'm the king of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, what's your what's your uh, advice to that? Uh, I'm gonna go a different route than you guys. You've been very encouraging. I'm gonna say, you know what? Maybe comedy's not for you. You've seen this. You've realized it. There are other fields you can get into that are much, much easier. For example, archaeology. Yes. If you want to be an archaeologist, we don't have any good ones in San Diego. None. We could really use None. Some... It takes no skill set, education, or physical ability. <laughs> have your husband, John, bury a mummy. You go and find it. It's the bringer archaeologist. <laughs> All you're going to need is a door-to-door -door mummy salesman. <laughs> I got 15 friends to bury some artifacts in the backyard and I'm digging them up. Oh, and, and as you're dusting off some uh, bones, some asshole tries to sell you a painting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's call it a week. I'm Ryan for Dave and Bobby. Before we go, this airs on Tuesday, uh, East County, San Diego. Tomorrow, this is going to be Wednesday, the 25th of September, I'm launching my brand new brewery show at 13 Point Brewing in Lemon Grove, Spring Valley area. Uh, it is the most seats of any other show I run. It's on a Wednesday, so this is a tough sell. I'm uh, I'm trying to, uh, to make it a big success, this first one. So come on out. I got Tamara Katan, Andrew Tarr, Joshua Kreps, myself. It's a good lineup. Solid lineup. Come on down. $20 gets you the show, dinner, and a beer. Pretty good value. Yep. So anyway, so that's 13 Point Brewery. Uh, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, tomorrow night, September 25th, please come down, have a beer with me after. And we all know Tamara, he will not hate being there. No. <laughs> yeah. and, and by the way, just if, if you're thinking about this as a, a dude, way better date than a movie. Like bring a woman to a comedy show where you have like food and beer and it's like a nice venue and good comics. It is way better than a movie and way more impressive. A absolutely. And from experience, when a girl laughs all night, uh, she will she will attribute that to yes, you. Yes, absolutely. You're the funny guy. 
You, you're the one that brought her to this thing where she laughed and got these endorphins. All you have to do is laugh along, and it's like it's your joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was your idea to come there. All right. We'll see you next week. Cruising with the twos. I fuck chinks and fuck where they live. Motherfucking time is passing by